refrain. He asked himself which vowel would best serve the purpose. He chose the long O. And what combining consonant, producibly doleful and lugubrious? He settled on R. Vowel, consonant, O, R, lor, cor, dor, lenor, quoth the raven, nevermore. Actually, he said, nevermore was the first such word that crossed his mind. How much cool truth there is in that essay is in the eye of the reader. Nonetheless, I was doing something like it when I put A, B, C over D on the wall for more than a decade, first at Time magazine and then at the New Yorker. I had been writing profiles, each by definition portraying an individual. At Time, I did countless sketches, long and short, of show business people, Richard Burton, Sophia Loren, Barbara Streisand, etc., and at the New Yorker, even longer pieces on an athlete, a headmaster, an art historian, an expert on wild food. After ten years of that, I was a little desperate to escalate, or at least get out of a groove that might turn into a rut. To prepare a profile of an individual, the reporting endeavor can be graphically represented as the letter X surrounded by a circle of O's. The X is the person you are principally going to talk to, spend time with, observe, and write about. The O's represent peripheral interviews with people who can shed light on the life and career of X, her friends, or his mother, old teachers, teammates, colleagues, employees, enemies, anybody at all, the more the better. Cumulatively, the O's provide triangulation, a way of checking facts, one against another, and of eliminating apocrypha. Writers like Mark Singer and Brock Brower have said that you know you've done enough peripheral interviewing when you meet yourself coming the other way. So, after those ten years and feeling squeezed in the form, I thought about doing a double profile, combining two such circles of X's and O's with lines drawn between them where they interreflect. In the resonance between the two sides, added dimension might develop. Maybe I would twice meet myself coming the other way. Or four times. Who could tell what might happen? In any case, one plus one should add up to more than two. Then, who? What two people? I thought of various combinations. An actor and a director. A pitcher and a manager. A dancer and a choreographer. A celebrated architect and a highly successful bullheaded client. One plus one equals 2.6. One day, while I was still undecided, I happened to watch on CBS a men's semifinal in the first United States Open Tennis Championships. Two Americans, one of them 25 years old, the other 24, were playing each other. One was white, the other black. One had grown up beside a playground in inner-city Richmond, the other on Wimbledon Road in Cleveland's wealthiest suburb. On their level are so few tennis players, and the places they compete are so organized nationally that these two would have known each other since they were 11 years old. For something like three weeks, I kept thinking about that combination and its possibilities, 
and then decided to attempt a double portrait, letting the match itself contain and structure the story. I would not be able to do that without a copy of the CBS tape. In those days, tapes were not archived. They saw repeated use. The copying would have to be done on something called a kinescope, a 16-millimeter film shot from a television monitor. I asked William Sean, the New Yorker's editor, if he would pay for the kinescope. Very well, he said, sighing. Go ahead. I called CBS. A guy there said, you haven't called a minute too soon. That tape is scheduled to be erased this afternoon. Called Levels of the Game, the double profile worked out, and my aspirations went into a vaulting mode. If two made sense, why not four people in one complex piece of writing? That was when I put the block letters on the bulletin board.